in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. read this last week. It says this. Be very careful. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. We are a global community of Christ followers, awakening imagination, igniting passion, and unleashing purpose. That's our vision. To be a global community of Christ followers, awakening imagination. And that's what I want to do this morning. I want to show you how God has been awakening imagination in this church. You know, we started out 2020. And uh, it's our 20th anniversary. We thought, we're going to celebrate this entire year. Like every month, we'll do some type of celebration. Talk about what God has done in the past. And, and then we were all set to do that. We're lining everything up. And then COVID hit. One of the things about Grace Chapel that separates us, I believe, from many other churches is our ability to adapt and to flourish in challenging situations. This building itself this, this whole campus was a challenge. When we first bought this property in 2002, we got here in 2002, late 2002, 2003, we bought this property. So many people were like, have you lost your mind? Why would you do that? They looked at the place and said, this is just, how are you going to, and we were able to turn what was, what was a struggle into something that was really, it is really dynamic. So, what I want to do this morning is I want to pause and I want to thank God for all that he's been doing for us in 2020. While the world waits for this season to be over, we'll just hunker down until 2021 when we get a cure, while the, while the rest of the world in many cases just kind of waiting for the season to be over and kind of writing it off, God has been doing amazing things within the church. Last week, we talked about the fact that we need to make the most of every, that's what God tells us to do. I need you to make the most of every opportunity, regardless, regardless of the circumstances you find yourself in. And we've done that, and even more. Someone texted me, or emailed me this week, and talked about last week's sermon, and said, yeah, it was just so timely, I really appreciate it, and the fact that we're, we've been given lemons, and we've made lemonade. And I thought that was so incredible. No one's ever said that to me in an email in the last 35 years. And this morning, the sermon, on it, before I got the email, the sermon title is Making Lemonade. That was the sermon title. And I thought, the Holy Spirit is speaking to everyone at the same time. We have been given a bag of lemons. And my friends, we have made lemonade. So with the rest of this service, I want to celebrate what God has been doing in 2020 here at Grace Chapel. Now, be ready to be fire hose, okay? I'm about to fire hose you. I'm good at that, and so is our staff. So if there's things you don't understand, or I, we use phrases or terminology you don't, you don't understand, make sure you ask whatever pastor or staff person is going to be talking about these things, because we can't stop and explain everything. So I just want to encourage you. I want to actually motivate you. I want to inspire you. I want, I want you to walk out of here feeling, man, I am so glad that I am a part of this particular church. So let me start out with kind of locally here in our own church. 
We are, in 2020, we started renovating both this building and the Grace Impact Center, which is a big building back here. These are the new bathrooms that are going in the Grace Impact Center. There's a new entryway, and these are the bathrooms that'll be right in the front. So you'll come through the wall there, walking right into this nice new foyer area, and the, where the lines are there, that's where the bathrooms are going. A new men's and women's bathrooms that will be able to be accessed uh, accessible from the, the soccer field, the basketball court, the, co the, um, the uh, CrossFit area, the youth area, all of those will have ways into the bathroom from the back of the building, from the other side of the building. And, and the reason we're building bathrooms there, one of the biggest reasons is that we work a lot with people with disabilities and it's very difficult for them to go from this part of the building all the way through the basketball court and the soccer field. You know, it's turf, it's a turf area. They have to get their wheelchairs back there. It's very difficult. We wanna make this facility more accessible and more user-friendly, not only for our own, our, our, our people that are there all the time, but also people who come in and the things that we do for people with disabilities, like the, the Easter egg hunt that we have, and you'll see the other things that we're doing. We wanna make this more accessible. This will be a huge bathroom, world-class kind of bathroom that we're building there. Keep moving on here. So this is this building, that's the front entryway. Where you see the wood, that is all coming out and it'll be all glass and it wait, a way to get in. So there's an entryway there, there'll be a big awning there and when the pizza guy comes, he'll know which door to go in, all right? It's, it's tough, when you order pizza on this campus, the person's like, okay, what door do I go in? This will say, hey, here's the entryway. The, you'll go through the glass there, and then there'll be a glass foyer right out here, a glass foyer where we'll have heat and air conditioning. So now when you open the doors, and if you're working at the Welcome Center, right, you won't be freezing in the wintertime with that tunnel that comes down and hits you. It'll all be glass, hey, exactly right. It'll all be glassed in, that'll be, and the whole, this whole foyer will be just kind of um, updated like we have here, it'll all look like that. It'll be wide open. It's gonna be absolutely beautiful. Move to the next uh, slide there. This is the Grace Impact Center. You see them cutting out the wall, and this week they cut that wall out, and there it is, big gaping hole. That will be a big glass opening as well. That leads right into where those bathrooms are, and it's basically, it'll be, again, a foyer where you walk into the building and there'll be a sign like in a mall Youth area here, basketball court here, soccer field here, CrossFit here. We're gonna build like a dance studio area in the back as well. And all of that, you'll be able to access it from that main entryway right there. So that's what we're doing here on the campus. It's happening right now. Hopefully in the next month and a half or so, that'll be finished before it gets too cold. And we'll be using that, um, using that from here on out. Okay, moving on. So many exciting things. We're just gonna, okay, like I said, fire hose you. Moving on, ORCA. This is our ORCA Center. The ORCA Center is a center for marketplace ministry. We build business trees, as we call them, and we use the money to invest in developing countries to build business trees there that fund initiatives that can't fund themselves, like education, healthcare, all those kinds of things. ORCA is a co-working space. There's a co-working space in there. Um, there, is the, there are the offices for self-sustaining enterprises, and we also have just built, if you look down on the right-hand, upper right-hand corner there, um, that glassed-in area, we just put that in, the new entryway where the yellow van is, that is a, a new ideation space. 
And ideation space is where we're gonna bring in groups like Procter & Gamble or GE or large companies or smaller companies where they can come in and they can, they can just get off their own campus, get into an area where we're going to create an environment that just lends itself to creative thinking. Allow them to work through some issues they have. Uh, we'll, we'll give them everything they need. This is, this is walking into the new area we just renovated. These, these pictures up here are the different ministries that we have, where we f that we fund through the Orca co-working space. And so as the members come in, they can read those walls and they can see what we're doing and why we're doing it. And it really has impacted people's lives. They know now that their resources are going to impact the lives of orphans and widows around the world and, and locally and glo locally nationally and globally, and it's really impacted people's lives. The Orca co-working space has exploded recently. You can't find a parking space to go in the office now because so many people are starting to join. After COVID, it kind of took a dive, obviously. But what we've been doing is we, wouldn't, we weren't wasting time. We, when we closed COVID, well, I'm sorry, when we closed the Orca co-working space during COVID, we didn't just say, well, you know, we'll get to it in 2021. We worked. We put in new bathrooms. We put in a new sink area. We, we renovated the whole back of the building. This is our new ideation space, and we've been using that ideation space to really impact lives. And I asked Chuck Proudfit, one of our elders, who is the founder of At Work On Purpose. At Work On Purpose is the largest marketplace ministry, citywide marketplace ministry in the country. I asked him to come and share how it's been impacting his life. Good morning. That is working. All right, great. You know, I, Jeff was talking about turning lemons into lemonade, but as I was sitting and listening to that, I was thinking about the juicer <laughs> that turns the lemons into the lemonade, and that's how this year has felt for me and for so many. It's that feeling of getting squeezed I remember the start of 2020, it was gonna be this breakthrough year and by March with the shutdown, it was more like a breakdown year. One of the things that broke down for the At Work On Purpose ministry was the office space that we had used for 13 years in the Blue Ash area. This is a space that we had used for faith-based executive roundtables. We have 10 of them, about 150 Christian workplace leaders from all over the city they gather together so we can talk about what it looks like to be better at stewarding organizations, shaping industries, and serving communities. All of a sudden, we don't have a physical space, and Orca literally became our home, our new home, in two months. And it was a Herculean effort, so there's a lot of juicing that happened with that. But I would tell you how amazing it is when these leaders are coming up to this campus. These are uh, businesses like uh, Buskin Bakery, Franciscan Media, Hamilton Castor. These are a lot of names and leaders that you probably heard about in the city. And as they come onto the campus, it kind of blows their fuse box. You know, the first thing is it's a church campus, but they're coming for a business meeting. And we're so programmed to think that church is over here and business is over there. And what we're literally doing is creating an environment on this campus where they are brought together. Mm -hmm. The second thing is the focus that we're bringing right now in all of the programming with these groups. Our study series at the moment is called The Adaptive Advantage. And we're spending the next four months looking at what it means to take organizations and shift from an efficiency mindset to an adaptability mindset because in this now normal environment, whatever this is gonna turn out to be post COVID, 
doing things the way we used to do them in the marketplace isn't going to cut it. We can't just try to do those existing things a little better. We have to figure out how to do some new things. This is a perfect campus environment to do that because it literally embodies, embodies that concept of adaptability. Neat thing, side note here as I close out, there are members now at the Orca Center who came from these groups. So you have these business leaders coming up on the campus and they're making the choice, some of them, to take out temporary rental where they can come on a monthly basis as a drop-in or even get a permanent desk. And so in a, an amazing way, part of our congregation are Christians who don't even attend worship services here on the weekend. But this is part of their extended church home and church family. You know, we have some cutting-edge missions initiatives at Grace Chapel across the world. We also have a cutting-edge missions initiative that's across the parking lot. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't been to Orca Center, I encourage you to visit. Thanks. Thanks, Chuck. Appreciate that. One of the cool things is uh, when I was talking about the pictures on the wall, you know, sometimes you think, oh, we, we shouldn't tell people we should really keep this, you know, our whole spiritual side under wraps. And we decided that we're going to put those pictures up on the wall and just blatantly show people what we're all about. We're all about locally our food pantry and impacting people's lives in our community. We're all about uh, nationally and Luke 5 and the things we're doing and impacting people's lives there. We're all about international and what we're doing on the farm and we'll talk about those things in a moment. But what we've seen is the enthusiasm of the people, whether they're believers or not, the enthusiasm that they have for what we're doing and why we're doing what we're doing, the resources from Orca co-working going and being invested in other places that are changing people's lives. And honestly, I don't care whether you go to church or not, people are excited about that. They're excited about seeing where their resources are going and what our heart is. And it's giving us so many opportunities, Chuck, like you said, to minister to people, to invest in people, to get in conversations with people. It's been incredible. All right, so that's happening right here on the campus. Um, locally also, uh, something else is happening. We are in the process of buying this building, hopefully closing on this house, this big building, next week. And I asked Andy Keimer, our pastor of children and student ministries to come up and share with us why we're buying this building and how you can be involved. <laughs> uh, good morning. So this is a home built in the 1860s in the historic part of Middletown, and I'll get to a little bit more specifically about that project. But to give you the abbreviated story, um, and if anything I share with this project uh, stirs your affection or stirs your heart, just please seek me out. There's so many opportunities for us to help serve and help grow this partnership we have. Four years ago, a organization, a ministry, a program called Springhaven Homes um, started in Middletown, and uh, we partnered with them on some local mission trips. Uh, and ultimately what Springhaven Homes is, it's a organization, a ministry that fights human trafficking. They want to end human trafficking, uh, and a major objective of theirs is to help survivors of human trafficking find safe and affordable housing. And that's where we as a church have been able to come in. Um, we have Ann Babb, who is the executive director. She is a survivor <coughs> herself, uh, has started this ministry, started this program. Um, and about you know, six months ago, her ministry was focused on just working in kind of the tri-state area, and she had four to five women that were, you know, kind of right under her, uh, and kind of 
give you an idea in terms of survivors, tier one would be basically just coming right off the street. Tier two, the first three months. Tier three, the first six to nine months just you know going through the rehabilitation process. And that tier four is kind of where there's a significant drop off, where these survivors have gone through so much and then it's like, all right, good luck. Go find a job, go find a place to live. And unfortunately, if they're able to find a job, their housing puts them right back in the type of communities where they were trafficked or they were just, you know, just a situation that triggers them, that keeps them from really being able to move on in society. Mm. So that's where we've come alongside Anne and try to provide some housing opportunities. And it's been really neat. Our youth have been out to her house where she's actually bringing in two survivors into her house. Uh, to help create uh, some more bedrooms in the basement. Uh, Danny Kramer and his dad and Greg Furzin and, and a crew have been out there on Saturdays. And it's been neat because Alexis, who's moving in with Ann, who's the director, she's never had a home. Um, she was trafficked since she was nine years old. She's been in every system you can imagine. And now she's moving in with Ann, who she calls mom. And when she was speaking to our youth, she was in tears because this is her first home she's ever had. And that's the goal of Springhaven is to create a community uh, for these women to have a home. And that's where um, this has kind of been a God thing. So this is 1860 building in Middletown. Um, it's 6,000 square feet. It's been used as a doctor's office, multifamily. It would be our goal to turn it into multiple living areas, but it has seven bedrooms collectively all through it. And to give you an idea of the need, um, Anne could fill those seven bedrooms with two women each today. And she said she still would have a waiting list of women that want to be in her program. So Anne's program within the, just the last six months has grown where she's getting phone calls from agencies all over the United States. Hey, your program is proven. It's helping women out. You're doing an incredible thing. Can they come to Middletown? Can they come to, you know, the Cincinnati area and live near you? Um, and sh she says, yes, but we have to find the beds and the housing. What's also pretty incredible, this type of program for tier four survivors, there's only one other program like hers in the entire United States. There's less than like 100 beds to help tier four survivors. And it's really that last stop to end the cycle of, of women falling back into the same trap of, of human trafficking. And to give you a little just context, human trafficking internationally, 45 million people would be categorized as being enslaved or trafficked. Um, there's an estimate, and this is a low estimate because the numbers are so unknown because it's undocumented, but there's an estimate that human trafficking profits $150 billion a year internationally. From a national standpoint in the United States, uh, there's a human trafficking hotline between 150 and 250 phone calls every single day go to that hotline. If you look at the state of Ohio, Ohio just with the variables the state provides, uh, you could be anywhere in the state and be out of the state within two hours. Uh, Canada is close. There's the 71, 75 running through the state interstate. There's urban and within 30 minutes of every urban city, there's rural settings, which is just a variable that contributes to human trafficking. But Ohio ranks within the top five of trafficked states. So Ann's battle is, um, and Springhaven Homes' battle is to, to really fight human trafficking, but ultimately provide that opportunity for women to come back into society with jobs, safe, affordable housing, and having mentors that can come around them. So it's kind of a 
a full circle thing ministry that she needs women mentors to come around these survivors. Um, We have an opportunity to fix this building up and provide beds. So one thing I always try to do as a youth pastor is, you know, we talk about how important serving is to our youth, but to provide actual opportunities. Mm -hmm. Everyone in here wants to serve. I want to do something I want to serve, but then we kind of get stuck. Okay, what do I do? Where do I go? How do I do it? This is going to be a great opportunity to do sweat equity, uh, to invest in Ann's ministry, to help make this building a home and really give these women a fighting chance as they go forward. Hmm. Describe really quick how it's broken into two, okay. two seconds. So built in 1860, so you can imagine on the inside, I, I, Jeff took 3,000 pictures. I think the camera exploded <laughs> after the number of pictures he took. But um, the left, it's kind of split like a duplex now. The left side, it's a three-bedroom, one-bath. It, it can be ready fairly soon. Um, and like I said, Ann has a waiting list of women that are ready to move to be part of this program. The other side, it's for about... Yeah, about 4,000 square feet, huge. I mean, what you would imagine with an old home. The woodworking's amazing. The fireplaces are amazing. Pocket doors everywhere. So it's our goal to turn this into a really cool, you know, home community for them um, where they feel safe, where they're like, they're proud of where they live. Um, So, yeah, our goal, and Jeff will talk a little bit more about it, it, it's a big undertaking, um, but it gives us a chance to invest locally and invest into something that, you know, just needs to be completely stopped. I mean, human trafficking is a huge epidemic, just wiping out families, wiping out children, wiping out yeah. women, and, and just, it's terrible. You know, it's going to be, you, you wonder why. why. Why are we doing marketplace ministry in our church? If these women don't have jobs, you can put them in a house. You can, like you said, they're going to get right back into the systemic, the whole issue. We've got we've to make sure they have good-paying jobs living in a safe place where they can transition out because you can say phase one, phase two, phase three. It's kind of cool to say that, right? Well, this woman's been through phase three. They get into phase four and like, you're like, okay. Yeah. And it's been neat. Nine years old. How is she supposed to know how to, exactly. you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's been, Ann's office is literally within walking distance. Uh, there's a Metro stop. It's the historic district of Middletown, which is a safe district. <laughs> All these things that Ann needed for the boxes to be checked for to be a safe place have been checked. So, and, and we did our due diligence. We've had a lot of help from the church. We've had architects. We've had home builders, plumbers, electricians. Um, we've had people come out and just scour through that because the last thing we want to do is step into a project and say, all right, in eight years, we're going to have some beds for you. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's, it's an undertaking. It's a project, but it gives us a chance to get our hands dirty, you know, be the hands and feet of Jesus. But it's ultimately something that's going to make a huge impact on that ministry and, and the community. Awesome. Thank you. So that's good, good. So we'll have an opportunity to get involved in that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And if that wasn't enough, all right, God has been moving basically locally and nationally through a ministry that we started here at Grace Chapel called Luke 5. And I asked Kevin to come up and share some updates on what's happening with Luke 5. At Luke 5 Adventures, uh, we're actually in our first season, our first year of this, and already it is overwhelmingly good uh, and awesome. So you can read there, our mission statement at Luke 5 Adventures is building community, bringing families impacted by disability closer to Christ, showing empathetic love by making the impossible possible. And we're not talking about the figuratively impossible here. We're talking about the literally impossible. Um, Picture yourself uh, as a person, 
a youth, a kid, an adult with uh, some significant disability and mobility issues. Um, you know, God's creative earth that we live in I, I, it has to be 99% plus of God's creation is outside the context of a hallway or a street or a sidewalk or whatever. Somebody with mo mobility issues or some significant disabilities is confined to that 1% and has absolutely no hope of ever experiencing some incredible things. And uh, we are, through Luke 5 Adventures, made possible by this really unique piece of apparatus that actually comes from France. It's the only place in the world that makes them. Uh, we now have three of those, a trailer, all of the infrastructure and all of that. And our mission is just to take as many people as possible uh, out into places where they would never ever be able to go before. Uh, to throw some additional numbers of you that are staggering and unbelievable, uh, worldwide over one billion people are impacted by disability. And uh, whether it's the kid or the adult with a disability, but the entire family is impacted 24-7 uh, with that. And so uh, we started this humbly and and God has just not a day goes by that there's some not some significant uh, update or new organization that wants to come alongside. Uh, I want to highlight two of those that we are in deep partnership with already. One of them is an international ministry that's the largest ministry to families with kids with disabilities in the entire world. It's called Johnny and Friends. Those of you who have been around the the church world for a long time might remember the name Johnny Erickson Tata. Um, she, uh, if, if there was a Mount Rushmore of Christian leaders in the last 50 years, Billy Graham, Ravi Zacharias, Johnny Erickson, uh, she's in that conversation. She has built uh, uh, this organization, has 19 regional headquarters around our country. Uh, she's quadriplegic, was uh, spinal cord uh, injury back in 1967 and has built this enormous organization. Well, a family in our church introduced us to that ministry because they had themselves with their daughter had been at one of their family re retreats two or three years in a row and have moved up here from Mississippi because of Children's Hospital. Well, we started communicating with Johnny and friends in Mississippi and now in Ohio. And uh, this video you're seeing is a highlight video of our activity down in Alabama when we went down to serve them. Well, while we were on this outing, they were texting and emailing pictures back to Johnny herself in California. She put it on her podcast. She issued an email out to all 19 of her regional directors that say, I urge you to get involved with uh, Luke 5 Adventures. Well, when Johnny says that to her staff, their only response is, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, whatever you say, ma'am. And so all of, all of a sudden, our influence got, got really big really fast. And we are in the process of developing that relationship um, that's even as we speak, we're doing a lot of activity with them. Second organization, Children's Hospital right here in Cincinnati. Um, yes, yesterday, we had an incredible, amazing uh, day with Children's Hospital. We entered into a program with them. This will be the next eight weeks worth of hiking with kids out of the Children's Hospital program. And so yesterday, we were down at Burnett Woods near UC, took seven kids on hikes. There was a girl that came up. She was 17 years old. Her birthday is this week. Her mom said this was part of her birthday present. 
she had some significant mobility challenges, so she kind of came up slowly to us, but she was well-spoken. Her name was Mary. She was all excited. Uh, Kim looked at her and said, hey, are you excited? And Mary said, I am so excited. And the mom turned to Kim and said, she has never been hiking before. And the, those stories are just repeated over and over and over and over again. These are people, kids and adults, every single human that being that's ever been born on the face of the earth is created in God's image. And we are taking image bearers on experiences that they would never, ever, ever be able. It, it is so impactful. It melts your heart. The, the kid is impacted. The family is impacted. The helpers are impacted. Imagine being a part of an outing where you are making the impossible possible. And uh, every single one of you can be involved. You do not have to be a super fit hiker. You do not have to even like hiking. We have all these systems in place and job descriptions before, during, and after, prayer warriors, writing thank you cards and, and Christmas cards to these kids, uh, hanging out at the tent just to be a companion to the parents who just want to have a normal conversation and an adult interaction. Um, it, it is so moving and it's so incredible. We want to include all of you. Uh, we need helpers. We need volunteers. We need money because we're already low on equipment. That We, we need five or six more of these and another bigger trailer and a truck to pull it. And, you know, it just goes on and on and on. It's just really, really exciting. Um, one thing that uh, has just been an incredible gift to me personally, Jeff and I are a lot alike in a, a lot of ways, different in other ways. But one of the ways that we share in common is that visionary type people and our brains go from zero to a hundred like that and you, you you know from just hearing him talk right we are very ready fire aim well Kevin my middle name is not safety right <laughs> so I'm like hey yeah just throw the kid in the chair we'll go down to whatever we'll climb Pikes Peak well the parent is like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. you're gonna do what with my kid well fortunately God has gifted Grace Chapel and me personally with a team of this incredible people that, sh that have all of the gifts that I don't have and are willing and bold enough to say one of them's right back there, uh, Whitney. Donna was in an earlier, earlier service. Those women have come around me and to say, Kevin, uh, shut up before you hurt somebody. Please sit down. Let us take care of it so that nobody gets hurt and it will be professional. We've passed a huge test yesterday because of them with Children's Hospital. Children's Hospital doesn't mess around with people who want to just go willy-nilly and do stuff. And because of their leadership, one of the, just a short example of what they did, they just did this the night before. I think Whitney was up all night long with this idea. She says, Donna is the PT, the physical therapist. She needs to be in charge of whether that chair can leave with the kid or not. So Donna interacts with the family gets the kid in the chair, all buckled up, padded, whatever needs to happen, and we have these four colored laminated cards. Red means that chair is not going anywhere because it's not ready, okay? Blue means the chair's been sanitized, it's all ready to, the chair is ready to go, and it's, it, 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 you know, it's ready. Green, she holds that green card in her pocket, and when she has signed off on it, she holds the green card to the lead, the lead Sherpa, we call them, and says, okay, your team is ready to go. 
That speaks volumes to the family. It spoke volumes to Children's Hospital because they can now put their thumb of approval, their stamp of approval, thumbs up, and he did. He looked at me in the eye and he said, good job. And that, I mean, it was because of them that that happened. Mm -hmm. Leave it up to me. Mm -hmm. They would say, "Uh, I'm not really sure we want to partner with you guys (laughs) because you dropped all of our kids. No, but, and then there's a yellow card. If that thing has a yellow card, that means that that family has not signed off on the consent to be photographed, which is huge. It's really, really, really important in that population. And um, so God is doing some incredible, incredible things around here. I, I told the earlier services, we didn't make lemonade. We made lemon meringue pie. We made lemon tarts. We, I mean, Amen. God is working, working, working. It's incredible. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kevin. That's really exciting. <laughs> And to Kevin's point, the reality is, you know, you could, there are visionaries, there are visionaries sometimes, visionaries are implementers, most of the time they're not maintainers, they don't have the, the structural mind, if you will, and the, it's the body of Christ coming around the vision that we have as a church, everyone using their gifts, talents, and abilities that make this a reality, that make it a reality, because you're right, Johnny and friends, okay, and Children's Hospital, are, they're not partnering with us unless this is a quality ministry. And this all happened in 2020. This is what's happening right now. So if that's not enough for you, we got one more, international. Okay, so what's happening internationally? I'm gonna skip, a, well, I'm gonna tell this story real fast. A few months ago, I talked about Kano in, in Nigeria. Kano is a state in Nigeria. Kano is filled with tanneries. Um, they make a lot of money, but they have destroyed the environment. What they do is they take, um, they take obviously the cows or whatever, and they gut them, and they throw the, and they throw the waste of the animal into the water system. So I don't know if you've ever smelled sulfur, the smell of that really nasty, it really burns your nose, burns your eyes, and there are three million people in the state of Kano who are, have a difficult fa- time finding um, clean drinking water, and honestly, just breathing normally. So we have another business tree called Spectra Technologies. Spectra Technologies came up with a solution that put in large amounts of water, we can remediate the chromium that's coming out and really creating this ecological disaster there. What we're working on right now is the largest um, ecological program that they've ever had, okay? The, this, is, this is basically, like I said, affecting three million people. What we have so far is phase one is finished. There's 100 tanneries, and we've run piping from every one of those tanneries to one location, all, all of the state into one location. The next phase is to build a water treatment center that will be starting pretty soon. We're working with the UN, uh, with the Nigerian government, and with the World Bank. We're working together with them to build this. Once the treatment center is finished, we'll be able to use our technology, like I said, to remediate the problem. I want you to just think about the impact that we will have on a, a state where three million people's lives have been affected and the opportunity for evangelism that will happen in that state. So pray that pray this continues to go forward because it, whenever you're dealing with an international, another country internationally, it's very difficult to bring it to fruition. The good part is the UN is holding on to all the money, so they're not releasing it until this is finished. 
It's not in the hands of politicians, it's in the hands of the UN, well, it's in the hands of the UN, which is better because they're overseeing it and not releasing it until this is go going forward. So that's one great thing that's happening. The other thing is our farm. We have a farm in Nigeria, and we've been building the infrastructure for that farm. The farm's been around for years, but we needed more infrastructure. So what we have, we built the fence. This fence runs down the entire front of the property, and it'll, it'll ultimately encompass the entire property to keep people out especially the Fulani who bring their herds in there and destroy our crops. They don't care. They just kind of pile through with all their cows. It kills everything. So we built the fence there. We also have our own generator. We also have this. We just built this. Um, this gives us access to our own electricity. So it, it's, it has the power to generate all that we're doing on the property. That's part of the infrastructure that we put in place. And then we also built a freezer. This is a large freezer. All right, now we can take our chickens, when we, when we go through the process and we process those chickens, we can put thousands of chickens in the freezer so we're able to do larger distribution around the country. We have a lot of distribution um, channels now into Abuja and restaurants and different places because we have proven ourselves to be able to produce a healthy chicken that can be, again, frozen and we can ship it to those places and we're consistent. And in countries like Nigeria, being consistent, you're king if you're consistent. So the infrastructures have been put in place. Keep going. Okay, so one of the other things that we've done, and I talked about this, is we wanted to build an acha, um, basically husking facility. Acha is an ancient grain. And the way, only way to husk it right now and get the, the kind of the, the, the part, the outer part off, is they put it on the ground, they kind of beat it, they beat it around, they beat it around, and then once the husking part, the shell is off, they sweep it all into a pile and you buy it. The problem is when you sweep the small, tiny grains of acha into a pile where people can buy it, you've also swept sand in with it. So the way you eat acha is not this, not this type of acha, because this is where we have our machine, but you, you, it's like a porridge. You put it in your mouth, you swish it around, you swallow it. You don't chew it because you'll be chewing on small pebbles and sand. Our machine, this machine that we now have built and it works in our new facility, we can go around to all the farmers in the area, okay, and create a farmer co-op and say, bring your acha to us. We will husk it for you for a very, very cheap price just to keep the machine going. But the acha, once it's husked, okay, this, this way is worth 10 times as much as the way they normally sell it. So if you're a farmer, you can come in here, we can husk it for you. Now it doesn't have sand, it doesn't have dirt, it's worth 10 times what it used to be, which creates more opportunity, more jobs, more income for people in the area. So our Acha, um, our Acha manufacturing is up and running. We're partnering with a gentleman in Nigeria who's the largest Acha manufacturing, manufacturer in the state, actually probably in the country, he built this for us. He has a larger machine. We are partnering with him so that, for example, we say we get a big order from some company. Our machine's not large enough to fulfill that order. We're gonna partner with him and he can backfill whatever we can't produce. So it's like a blue ocean strategy where everyone wins, everyone's working together. The guy's a Christian, he did an amazing job on this, so our Acha business tree is now up and running. That's, that's one, keep going. Okay, now, pause it right there for a second. 
When we were in Nigeria, I, we were driving through and one of our staff people said, hey, I wanna show you my house that we're building. And so he drove us into this neighborhood. In this neighborhood, ex-presidents, soccer players, uh, you know, ex-governors, generals, uh, all these people live in this neighborhood. It is the probably safest neighborhood in the state, all right, um, in the Plateau State. So they, they have this property there. One of our staff people was able to get a piece of land early on, and then he's, he was building his house. So he drove us in, and this is the lake. I'm going to show it to you. Got that, it goes around, and then there's the lake. I want to stop it right when it's, yeah, end it and hold it. Okay, so if you keep going to the right, we were standing at his house, and next to him, there were two other lots next to his property, and they were empty. And I said, how about these lots? And he said, well, they're just empty, they're for sale. I said, well, how much are they? He said, nah, I went through the math in his mind with Naira to dollars, about $3,000. I said, I'll take two. So we bought two. Got people in the church, they chipped in, we bought two pieces of property. You say, why would we buy property there? Because you know I like the fish, and there's, I'm just kidding. That's not the reason. <laughs> You're like, well, it's kind of the one of the reasons. No, we bought it because when we want to send missionaries there, you, okay, to Nigeria, we need to send businessry, like marketplace missionaries there, and what we wanna do, so I want you to think to yourself right now, I would never think this, I would never go to Nigeria, because the moment you say that, that's when you're in trouble. The moment God hears someone say, I would never, so everybody think that, we'll be shipping in Nigeria in about a year and a half. So we have the property, so what we're gonna do on these two lots, one, we're gonna build a missions facility. Where's the safest place to be if something happens in Nigeria? We're the ex-president and the ex-governor and the soccer players and the generals and that's, where the safe, that's the safest place to be. That's where we wanna build a home where our missionaries can come in and when we come in, we will then go and that'll be our facility where we can stay, one of the places where we can stay. There's two lots. The other lot, what I'd like to do is for us to build a and b there, okay? Business tree. You gotta think, how can we build an economic base there as well? In any country you have people who have a lot of money. Most people in the country are dirt poor, but there is an upper class who has a ton of money, more money than they need. We would like to take some of their money. So we're gonna charge rich people an unreasonable amount of money to be in our B&B. We'll, we'll have some kayaks there, some fishing stuff. We'll have, it'll be all nice. And what we'll do is we will rent that to people for three days and a weekend or a week and we'll take their money and we'll then invest that money back into ministry projects. Make sense? I brought this up to the staff there. I got about five words out of my mouth. They said, this will work because there are people always looking for places like this. This is a beautiful, and if you go, it, you don't have to put, but if you go all the way over to the right of this picture, there is another, this used to be a, like a gravel pit, you know, those when they were, they were uh, you know, getting that all, that, all the different things out of the ground. This used to be one of those pits that filled up, and there's another one on the other side. This neighborhood has a lake and then a huge, probably 10-acre pond on the other side as well. This is gonna be a great opportunity for us to make a few dollars. Keep it going, all right? So that's one of the things we're doing. Now, this is our new chicken facility. I've been talking about this. This new chicken facility can produce 1,500 chickens every two weeks. 
and we can sell those chickens because now we have the infrastructure to put those chickens in the freezer. So when someone calls us and says, hey, I'm in a jam, can you sell me 50 chickens? We certainly can because we don't have to go slaughter the chickens. Well, if you're a child, we don't slaughter our chickens. They go to a nice chicken, happy, happy house somewhere. Along with our pigs too, they're all like pets. And so the chickens are in here. We can produce 1,500 chickens every two weeks all right, we can we put them in our freezer. This is what the facility, when we, we uh, had it um, drawn out, that's what it looked like, by, and that's it in its uh, first part of the phase, and then boom, there it is. It's finished. It's all ready to go. We have developed an incredible reputation for being able to produce what we say we can produce. Also with the, go, go to the next slide. The chickens, those are the happy chickens ready to go to their nice happy home. People in Nigeria keep chickens as pets. Um, and these are the pigs, right? So the pigs, what we did was, we have such a great reputation right now in the area when it comes to our farm that we have a waiting list for people to buy the pigs. We have a lot of sows and we have some boars. We just bought a new type of pig, but what we have a waiting list so when the pigs are weaned, they're sold. So the piggery is doing really, really well, really well. I wanted to share these things with you this morning to show you what God has been doing in 2020. We have been making the most of every opportunity. God says make the most of every opportunity. My friends, whether it's locally, whether it's nationally, whether it's globally, 2020 we have not let the, 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 you know, the grass grow underneath our feet. We've been moving forward. God has blessed us in such a way that we have been moving in all these areas and it's so encouraging and I want to, I want to encourage you to get involved in, in some area of ministry within the church. If you have a heart for women who are being trafficked, okay? If, if you think you have the skills to help us renovate that building, if you have skills to help us organize and come alongside that other ministry, these women need a family okay? Giving them a place to live is fine, but they're going to need a family. They're going to need jobs. I want you to put that, um, the picture of the, the house back up. Swoop it around, and I want you to pause. Right there. Right by, see the gray building to the right? That's a uh, microbrewery. That building right in the corner, stop right there. That building right there in the corner is for sale. And I'd like to, if it be God's will, I'd like to buy that building as well. Because if we have women living in our, in our building here, it would be great to create some kind of business tree that would, would create jobs for these women. They're gonna need jobs and they're gonna need safety. So we need to create jobs for them. We're gonna create a housing situation for them. And we wanna create a family for them. So if you're a person who wants to come alongside and disciple, or mentor, or just befriend someone, okay? And let these women know that they're not alone. They're gonna need more than just, you've made it through phase three. They're going to need phase three, four, five, six, seven for the next few years to make sure there's not a systemic problem where they go from the one, two, three, four, and back into the problem again because they have no support system. We have to be their support system. We're doing it in Nigeria, we're doing it nationally, and we're doing it locally. And I wanna just, let's just bow our heads, okay? I wanna just praise God. God, I wanna praise you and thank you for what you're doing in this church. I wanna thank you for the opportunities you've given to us. I wanna thank you for the staff here who think outside of the box. 
They've taken to heart our vision to be a global community of Christ followers, awakening imagination, igniting passion, and unleashing purpose. We want to unleash the purposes. Everyone you've designed and created in this church, we want to unleash their purpose on this world. And God, we are, we are not going to sit back in this season and wait for the next season to really make a difference. We want to make a, we want to make a difference right now in 2020. Thank you. We praise you, Lord God, for all that you're doing. We give you all the praise and all the glory for what you're doing through this church. You deserve it all. Thank you for using us to make a difference in the lives of others. Thank you, Lord God. We ask that you continue to use us, that we would be open vessels. We pray, dear God, that you would inspire every single person in this room to think of what they can do to make a difference in the lives of people during this season. And we'll give you all the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Love you guys. I hope that was encouraging to you. And I, I want you to be talking to anyone who spoke this morning. Come up, talk to them. Say, here's how I want to get involved. Give us information that you may have and have a blessed night. And we'll see you back here tonight at six o'clock.